As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Therese stopped it. And Tielemans is going to hit it. And hit it beautifully! What a shot from Yuri Tielemans! There's the chip, and Schmeichel has to get down. And it was going in. Brilliant save by Schmeichel. Absolutely awesome. And when the lines are put in, the verdict is no goal. Chilwell, a hair's breadth offside as he went with his run. Leicester fans turn to cheer again. For the first time, the first time ever, Leicester City win the FA Cup. History is made on a momentous Wembley day. Hello and welcome to 5000 to 1, the Leicester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me, as always, no longer the last man to lift a trophy at Wembley in a Leicester shirt. It's former captain and Foxes legend, Matt Elliott. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Rob. Thank you. Um, been an eventful week for Leicester City, hasn't it, one way or another? But um, exciting times, exciting times, that's for sure. I am... More than happy to relinquish my title of the only Leicester City captain to lift a trophy, a major trophy aloft at the home of football. What an amazing weekend it was. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to get into that as well as the disappointment of Chelsea in midweek as well. But before we get underway, I'd uh, just like to uh, let you know that right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy a great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod. Right and let's start with the unbelievable stuff. Well it's not unbelievable now it is reality isn't it? Leicester City have finally won the FA Cup. After all those years, 130 years of trying, the whole club's history, four times in the final, four defeats, finally, 
have done it, Matt. You were there. I was there. It was an amazing day. Great to have fans back. Great to see Casper Smarkin and Wes Morgan lift that trophy. Uh, it, unbelievable um, proceedings and goings-on weren't there at Wembley. I mean, as you say, me and you were fortunate enough to be there, as were another 20, 22,000 individuals, most of which seem to be congregated at the Leicester end, um, <laughs> one way or another. And apparently, it was 6,200 Leicester City supporters. Looks a fair few more than that. And certainly the noise they made seemed more than that amount. It was it was just a, a, a truly sort of amazing experience from start to finish, really. You're getting to the stadium, there was a buzz uh, before the game. Fans were in there early as possible. You know, they're, they're, even outside the ground, Leicester City fans are congregated. Uh, in, in pretty big groups and were chanting. And it was like times of old. It, it, it was great to see. It was great to see. And once you got inside the stadium, I was working pitch side, you could sense the the occasion and the energy that was coming out of the Leicester end. You know, when Chelsea players would come out onto the pitch to warm up and there was a, a warm little ripple of appreciation from the Chelsea fans. But even just one Leicester City player's head surfaced and there was a huge roar from the far end, from where I was standing. And it was it, it was spine-tingling early on. And you sensed maybe that something special was going to happen. And so it proved to be. There, there were so many things to talk about, you know, with, with the game. You know, the intensity of the game, the quality of, of the goal from Tillemans, um, you know, the VAR situation... Uh, the saves from Schmeichel prior to that, uh, the, the glory of the final whistle going and the, the cup being held aloft and Prince William presenting it and Kunvich, uh, sorry, Kuntop um, being ushered on by Schmeichel to join in the celebrations, the banner of Kunvichai overlooking the, the, the players singing Vichai's song to the fans. It was, oh, it was just amazing. It was amazing. It was joyous scenes and privileged and very grateful to be there. Uh, it made you appreciate fans again in the in the, in the the grounds. I mean, it's been 14 months, and I know there was only 6,000 of them, but they sounded like... I mean, what on earth would that stadium would have sounded like if it had been full and there'd have yeah. been 30,000 Leicester City fans in there? It was just <laughs> a, a surreal atmosphere considering what we've been watching football in this, the uh, conditions we've been watching football in for the last 14 months when there's just a bunch of journalists around you and the only ripple of applause comes from the the, the substitute's bench whenever anything happens. But uh, I thought the first half was uh, quite a cagey affair, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination, but that second half was just absolutely packed full of drama. I mean, the, the Tielemans strike, and what, what a wonderful strike. I know there was a bit of controversy in the build-up to that. Obviously, Perez blocking the path, intercepting the pass. He come off his, his knee onto his arm, and then uh, Luke Thomas plays the path into the pass into Tielemans. But the, the, it was just full of drama. I mean, the, the two Schmeichel <laughs> saves were incredible. Ben Chilwell, you know, the, the, that plot as well, that subplot of the former Leicester um, Academy graduate coming on yeah. and causing all sorts of problems for him as well, having been booed as well by Leicester fans, um, which I thought was a little bit harsh. Um, but, uh, yeah, that drama, uh, the VAR at the end, um, that was extraordinary. I mean, just yeah. I don't know how the fans felt. We, we were just all wondering <laughs> what on earth is going on. But as soon as you see on the monitor uh, an image, you know they're going to overturn it. 
Because if they don't overturn it, then you very rarely see anything until afterwards, after the decision's been made. But as soon as that flashed up, I thought, oh, he's, he's going he's gonna to be flagged offside. Because still, you couldn't see from the two lines. It was marginal. It was just, I just felt like it was meant to be. That yeah. everything conspired just for, for Leicester to get their hands on the cup this time. And um, we did a, a, um, a piece, a collective piece that was Adam and Stu James and a few others that have got involved in that, trying to piece together the events of the day. And the, the, as we went through it all, it just like it was scripted. It was scripted from above. Yeah. They were finally going to get their hands on the trophy. What did you make of the, the nice touch from Brendan, uh, the postcards on the kit and the slogans, making the uh, away dressing room at Wembley because Leicester were the away team, turning that to their home King Power dressing room effectively. But the little messages from friends and family on the back of postcards that are left on top of their kit and stuff like that, those little psychological uh Little things, little tactics that he's tried to do. Yeah, um, well, first and foremost, yeah, I'm totally with you. The, the way the drama unfolded was it was something incredible uh, to to witness, really, because the first half, yeah, just say cagey. I think it was very evenly contested. The, the game was f- more free flowing than I thought it would be. I, I thought it would be a, a little bit tighter, but it, it was, you know, swaying from one end to the other without too much direct. Goldmouth incidents, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I just felt the game was on a knife edge literally throughout. And the, oh, the excitement of when Tillemans hit that, hit that ball, like, you, you knew that half a second before it actually hit the back of the net, you, you're thinking, that, that's going in. You know, the purity of the strike. And then everything that, that happened afterwards, you know, as I say, Michael saves and Chilwell. It had to be Chilwell, didn't it, that was involved and... The, the margins um, between failure and success are incredible. But, um, yeah, the, in, in terms of the preparation, we're talking about small margins. That's what Brendan Rodgers is trying to, you know, achieve in, in a positive sense with this, these little managerial uh, tidbits, uh, putting down the, the, those postcards, as you mentioned. Uh, I certainly don't, don't think it does any harm whatsoever. You know, some people think it can be trying to, Overthink it or be a little bit clever. There's no way that's going to backfire, is it? Nice little touch. It just stirs the emotions and probably just helps things sink into the players because the majority of the time, I think Leicester probably trying to keep it as normal as possible, play the game, not the occasion, as Casper Smoker said after the semi final. But at the same time, you know, you've got to get people prepared for what a big occasion. It, it's going to be, and you you sensed it when the players would have when they went out for the warm up, if not before, and then once kickoff came, you know, it was it, it was just a spine tingling experience as I mentioned before, and you know there was a crackling noise from the Leicester City supporters and the energy that was teeming down from those those seats those areas was was incredible, and the players would have reacted off that, but then also. You know, with those little touches from their manager, extra motivation, extra inspiration, really. And, uh, yeah, listen, I'm not saying it was necessarily a decisive factor or anything like that, but I think it was a, a very clever touch from Brendan Rodgers' point of view. Absolutely. I, I, where I was, I was on the East press bench. There's two press benches at Wembley. So I was down the Chelsea end. So when Tiedemann's hit that strike, and I think it's going to go down as one of the, the greatest all-time FA Cup goals, I think, I was right behind that, and you were right when you saw it arcing towards that top corner. You thought, "That's that's in, that's in." And then you're waiting, and the and you see the ball 
you think the ball's gone in and it isn't until the roar behind the, the goal that you realise, yes, it's gone. It has actually beaten the keeper. It's gone <laughs> in. It's a, it's a goal. But the scenes at the end, I'll just ask you about those. I mean, getting top on the pitch, um, and, uh, the way he was cradling the cup. Can you think of any other owner that is as respected and beloved by not only the players, the staff, but the fans, everybody around the club at a time when we've been talking about the Super League and the protests at Man United and uh, other clubs as well. And I mean, Chelsea fans, they were protesting outside the gates uh, about their club's inclusion. I don't think they're anywhere near in the same level of um, regard for their ownership as uh, I think they're they're quite favourable towards Abramovich. But um, it was interesting, wasn't it, that they saw so many messages on social media from fans of other clubs that weren't Chelsea fans, obviously, um, saying, great, fantastic, glad Leicester have won it finally. And uh, how envious are we of your ownership? It, it, it's quite, it yeah. was a special moment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, you know, it's quite touching when, when you hear or read things like that. And, you know, right, rightly so, really, because... It, the, the owners, you know, obviously Convichai initially, who's been succeeded by Kuntop in such tragic circumstances. Now that forges a bond, of course it does, because they've gone through such, you know, traumatic times in their lives. Um, obviously Kuntop, from an extremely personal point of view, and the players also. But it, it wasn't just through the, the tragedy, you know, it was because of their affection and affinity that was developed before that, that there is a personal aspect to to what the owners have always done. They've always had positivity and you know, intentions of progress um, at, at the fore and, and genuinely as well, not just for their own point of view. Yes, it's a business to them as well, but it's also a passion and they combine the two elements exceptionally well. They contribute to the local community, and even the more far-reaching community you know, within the county itself, beyond the city. Yeah. And they, they know how to... Their culture is is hugely built on respect um, in general, really. And I think they they show that and they appreciate what that means um, to, to people from all walks of life, really. And that's evident in how they go about their, their business and their passion as I just mentioned, you know, within the football club. And it has it has effect because, don't get me wrong, they can be ruthless as well, as we've seen, and they, they look after the interests of the club first and foremost and, and also in turn themselves. But they also do it in the right manner that gets the best results out of everyone involved, be that players, coaches, stroke managers and supporters in terms of, how they get reactions and you saw the culmination of that at the weekend didn't you because it, it was a beautiful thing to see because listen Kuntop is uh you know very well respected in the business world rightly so but you know there's also a lot of affection for him uh, on a personal point of view and 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 not just because of the tragedy of his father because how he is personally how, how they deal with things and uh you know, Susan Whelan in support and many other people who contribute to the collective. It is, yeah, it, it was really good to see because they're there, that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're seeable, aren't they? They're, they're visible, that they are part of the club, part of the fabric pretty much these days. 
Um, you know, people are so grateful to them for what they've helped achieve. There's been a lot of other people contributing to it, of course, but what they've presented the opportunity of the club of achieving is, you know, it, people are so grateful for it within Leicester City. And uh, yeah, it was wonderful to see. Wonderful to see the just everything at the end, wasn't it? You know, Jamie Vardy getting dragged off by Michael uh, from his press interview to joining the celebration. Kuntop being brought on the pitch. Brennan Rogers being thrown in the air by his, his players. Michael and Rose Morgan holding the cup together. The players singing to the crowd, etc. And obviously the fans joyously singing back. And I don't know. That, I don't know if it's just because I've got that Leicester persuasion, but to me it seems like the old FA Cup glamour and profile and and glory was back from the from the days of my youth, and maybe that's just an age thing for me. But it was, you know, the, the FA Cup had returned with its full meaning. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. So what do you make of uh, Brendan Rodgers' comments before the game about Leicester City being the people's club? Uh, obviously, it's trying to foster more support from around the nation. The fans still uh, upset about the Super League proposals. Chelsea were a part of that. It really sort of did generate a lot of support. And I, I suppose it might have upset a few of the Super League clubs, but who cares? But um, it, it, it was an interesting concept, wasn't it, that Leicester City are the people's club? Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I think... Going back to the title-winning season, I think you know they developed themselves into everyone's second favourite club, didn't they? But that's maybe sort of dipped and wavered a little bit um, in recent years. But yeah, coming up here with the, all the repercussions of the Super League, etc., um, Leicester City found themselves even more so back in most people's favour. But then, yeah, up against the might of Chelsea in the cup final, but I think Brendan Rodgers, it's, it's right to, to drop that in, you know, even just from a tactical point of view. He's very astute, isn't he? Very aware uh, of situations and how people are perceiving from the outside. And again, I, I think to a degree, I'm not saying it's a decisive factor, but it was another little 
point of a percentage that worked in Leicester's favour, didn't it? I thought any neutrals that were there were probably leaning towards Leicester a touch. But there, there was a little sense, despite the fact that at that time, Leicester were above Chelsea in the league and have been for the majority of the season, there was a sense of the underdog there. And that always serves people well, I think, because they don't go into the game feeling inferior. They just go into it thinking an extra determination to prove people wrong. And I felt that from the players. I felt it from the supporters as well. But you felt that the goodwill and the force was <laughs> was with Leicester City, bizarrely enough. I don't know if it came across to people who were listening on the radio or watching on television, but when you were there, it, it was like an irresistible force that was just going to prevail on the day, one way or another, even if Chilwell's goal had, had counted and Leicester had made changes late in the game. I didn't feel that it was Leicester's chances had gone out the window. They, I feel like they would have pulled something out the hat and turned it round or dragged it through to extra time um, or penalties even and succeeded one way or another because it just felt like their day. And everyone, uh, the football gods too, by <laughs> by all accounts, <laughs> seemingly, uh, were willing Leicester to win and so it proved to be. Well, the celebrations were reserved because they had a quick turnaround for, I mean, it used to have FA Cup final. It always used to be the final game of the season. But this season, there's uh, been two games since the final. The first one uh, was a return at uh, Stamford Bridge, the third time the two sides had met. It was just coming days after that, that dramatic final. So the celebrations were slightly tempered. But uh, there was always going to be motivation from Chelsea for I suppose revenge is for, for the want of a better word, uh, but certainly the, with Champions League on the line as well, qualification for that, that was a, another huge in, incentive. They didn't need any more incentive. And in, in uh, the celebrations in the uh, dressing room at Wembley, Danny Amate rather foolishly threw the uh, Chelsea pennant over his shoulder uh, dismissively, obviously in unbridled celebration of a, a famous triumph, but I'm sure, I'm sure he would have, he'd be regretting that. And, he received some racial abuse online afterwards, which everybody has condemned, absolutely rightly so. But it wasn't the wisest thing for Danny to do in terms of giving Chelsea extra motivation going into the uh, the league game. No, certainly not. It's unnecessary, to say the least, wasn't it? But things happen in the sort of heat of the moment, don't they? And it, uh, <laughs> there were videos, um, camera phones, eternal problem these days, aren't they? But... Uh, yeah, a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill, but from Chelsea's point of view, you're going to pick up on anything, aren't you, to, yeah. to give you that extra drive and determination, not that they needed much. And you always felt it was going to be difficult. I, I, I think it's a little bit harsh, to say the least, on, on Leicester to, to have to play that fixture as soon as it was after the game break, after the cup final. You know, after a high, there's very often a low, isn't there? But you know, Chelsea had that extra motivation and it was always going to be the case with or without you know big celebrations the, the quick turnaround made it made it i wouldn't say impossible but you know very very difficult for for leicester to be able to sort of drag themselves up again and and get to the level of performance and intensity that you need up against a very very good chelsea side you know they just about did it with all their might 
on Saturday in the final. You know, to repeat that uh, against the quality of Chelsea is not easy whatsoever. And you know, Chelsea, well, I thought Chelsea was superb on Tuesday. You know, it was it was two one. Could have been four or five one in truth. But having said that, ultimately it, it, the game was determined by you know. A, I said debatable decision, but a, an unnecessary challenge by Fafana. There wasn't much contact, though, was there, Matt? There wasn't no, much was, contact, but there's enough in the modern game. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, I, I think the referee gave, um, I think he gave the foul probably a little bit too quickly. Now, would, would he have given a penalty? If he, if, I don't think he realised initially it was inside the box, did he? And once he'd given the foul and then realised it was it inside the box after a VAR uh, in, inspection, there was no choice but to give the penalty. But I don't know. You, you could say Leicester rode their luck a little bit in the first half, really. I, I personally... There was a, there was one with Tillemans and Werner in the first half, wasn't there, a penalty? A lot of people think it should have been given. I, I, I don't know what Tillemans is meant to do in that situation myself. Um, I'm not convinced it was a penalty. I don't know. It seems like I'm in the minority on that one. But, yeah, and you know, a couple of goals. One, definitely offside. Second one, handball. But the pressure was relentless, wasn't it? And Leicester just couldn't get going. But I, I, I don't know. If I'm honest, a little question mark about persevering with the system that they did because, for me, it wasn't working. Madison and Perez were meant to be occupying the outside centre half of Chelsea so they couldn't get you know, easy control of the ball and play their way out from deep. But all that was happening was Jorginho was, was dropping into a deep position. He was being not being trapped by anyone particularly and he was just getting the ball off Mendy more often than not turning. And they were slicing Leicester open at will. Uh, Mount was coming into midfield positions uh, alongside Kante and Tillemans and Ndidi was just getting out, 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 outnumbered, really, overloaded and it was it was last ditch constantly, was it? You, you 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 persistently or constantly thought Leicester City are going to concede it any second, really, and eventually they did, and the game went away from them. They had the big chance, didn't they, with Iose Perez? It was that oh, sort of night. What a great from... chance that was as yeah. well. I mean, he just leant back, hasn't he? He was leant to his left, and he's lifted it over the bar. But when you see the replays, he had acres of the goal yeah, to aim at. Poor. Great, great chance that was, and a moment lost, but. I agree with you. I think Leicester struggled with the not only tactically but with the intensity of the game. Yeah. They couldn't make the changes that Chelsea made. I think that really highlighted how far still Leicester have got to go. I mean, we're going to talk about Champions League qualification at the moment, but the strength in depth of the squad has improved this season. But then when you take out James Justin and Johnny Evans and Harvey Barnes and the other players, and they just couldn't make the changes to freshen up the side that Chelsea could. Uh, and I mean, oh, they've got sure. huge, de- deep squads. These these big clubs, and uh, I think it's always made uh, well what Leicester have achieved in terms of staying in the top four up until now um, quite remarkable. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13. And when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. It does come with the the backstory that they've been in a great position again all season and if they drop out again at the end of the season, there's going to be an element of disappointment in that that, despite the FA Cup win and despite the fact that they're finishing fifth and getting more points than last season indicates there is progress there. I mean, 68 of their previous 71 league games, they have been in the top four. I um, mean, it's a remarkable, consistent <laughs> run, but to, but to not actually qualify for a second year running um, will be will be disappointing if uh, things if, if events unfold on Sunday and they miss out. Yeah, very much so. You, you can't get away from that fact, really. Listen, there are compensations, <laughs> of course. You know, one of them being an FA Cup trophy in the in the, in the back pocket, which is a, a fantastic achievement and. You know, rightly, everyone's getting a lot of credit for that. And also, the fact that, worst way, they're going to be involved in European competition again next season. But, of course, you know, everyone involved at the club, and particularly the owners, would have loved it to have been Champions League. And not just once, but twice. (laughs) To a certain degree, you know, some City supporters will think it should have been. But... You have to be balanced about it, really. But but to be so close yet so far, as looks likely to prove the case, you know, on two occasions, I, I thought I thought Leicester would have enough this year, yeah, because I've said it most of the season, and it still may prove to be the case. But at the back of last year, I thought they maybe learnt their lesson. 
They looked more durable to me. They had more substance to their game, different ways of playing, different systems we've seen. The squad has developed in terms of depth because through necessity, as much as anything, as as well as a a whole catalogue of of games to play, being involved in so many competitions. But I just thought that that they had enough. But at the same time, Leicester have done exceptionally well with the host of injuries that they've had. Certain players have stepped up to the mark and played well over a period of time, consistently better than perhaps a lot of people would have predicted. And everyone suffered from injuries, but Leicester, probably more than most, probably more even than Liverpool in terms of, OK, they've had some huge injuries, I know, and long term. Leicester too, you know, they're big players. I can't think, the only player who hasn't been out for a considerable period of time is Tillemans, off the, off the top of my head, um, and Smichael, a goalkeeper. But other than that, you know, like I say, Barnes, Pereira, um, Justin, Madison, Vardy to a level. The list goes on and on. And Didi, Dennis Pratt. You know, big players, big players. And it, how Leicester have coped this well and to be as close as they have is a pretty damn good achievement in itself. Frustrating as it is, though, because to be up there for that long, you can't get away from the fact <laughs> you, know, you just pulled out the stats in terms of how long they've been there. It's hugely disappointing. And also, from a financial point of view, it will have an effect in terms of possible recruitment, um, you know, and, and just the, the financial situation at the club, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of the general running of it. But uh, the aspirations are, are there. The intentions are there to get into the Champions League. And hopefully this is all part of the, the progress and development. Well, and that development is continuing because um, they're closing in on the signing of Babakari Samir, the uh, the French um, midfielder, and they've uh, expressed an interest in Ryan Bertrand. But I think, from what I'm being told, they only want a left back to come in for one year, and they want to give Luke Thomas time to develop, plus James Justin to get back from his injuries. They think they might be covered long term in that area, so they wanted to bring somebody in for a year, but Ryan Bertrand. Wants more than that, obviously, at his age. He wants yeah. to get two or three-year contracts. So we'll have to see how that unfolds moving forward. But, but they are already planning for next season. But you're right. It will Champions League qualification, just qualifications worth 35 to 40 million. So that would, uh, just for getting in the group stages, so that, that would make a big difference uh, for, the, for the club's finances. But it is still possible. I'm going to end on a positive. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is still possible. They, I mean, they need a big win over Tottenham at uh, the King Pass Day. Now, I think they will beat Tottenham the way they've been playing um, recently. Aston Villa, now they're the wild card, aren't they? Yep. Aston Villa got Chelsea at Villa Park with fans back. I think the home fans have got a big part to play because we saw at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge how their fans got behind them and that gave them a boost and their players and their manager acknowledged that after the game. The Leicester fans at the King Power will give Leicester a big... I mean, their home form has been dreadful without fans at King Power Stadium. Um, eight, was it eight defeats? Uh, at home on home soil I mean it's those defeats that's co- going to cost them not losing at Stamford Bridge you know losing to Fulham at home yeah, exactly. losing to Newcastle at home it's, it's going to make a big difference having the fans in there so I think there's a there's an element there there's like a a little spanner in the works of how this all could play out for for, for some of the, the other sides I mean I mean Liverpool got a Crystal Palace haven't they and that's uh, but they're on home soil I believe so that, that'll be uh, interesting to see yeah very much so listen uh, it's not done and dusted. I, listen, 
<laughs> a few teams have been a little bit premature th- this season in in thinking um, that they were going to end up higher than they have, and they've come unstuck in in, in different ways. And I think it'd be foolish to to think that qualification was assured from from Chelsea's point of view, in particular, and. Tuchel, Tuchel, whichever way you pronounce it, was quite right, I thought, in in mentioning that both publicly and I'm sure he did privately to his players because there was a sense of, oh, right, we, we, we've made amends to a degree for uh, the FA Cup final defeat. You know, we've got one back over over Leicester and but also a sense of that's it. We, we, we've qualified for the Champions League. They haven't. They've still got work to do. And I know it was a little bit of a celebration with the fans, a final home game and first time the supporters have been there, etc. So it was an appreciation of them as well. I get that. But um, I wouldn't say they were gloating or you know, over cocky, but it, it just seemed that way as if they thought job done. And the manager's right to pick up on that because far from it, Aston Villa just beaten Tottenham Hotspur away from home. Greedish is back in the fold. Um, and that, uh, you know, Dean Smith, I would imagine, is not the sort of manager who's just going to let them coast through the rest of the season or the final game of the season. Like you say, back in front of their home fans, there's going to be a spirited performance coming from the home team. And uh, Chelsea have got some work to do. Listen, the odds are in their favour yet because even if they were to drop a couple of points there, Leicester have still got to go and beat Tottenham. That's not going to be straightforward. But the fans have a part to play. And they were huge in the cup final. Without doubt, they provided energy to, to, to their players, you know, carried them through because the intensity of the performance was, uh, was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And they need something similar again, because at the moment they'll be feeling a little bit jaded, a little bit downhearted after Tuesday and all their exertions of late. They've got to pick themselves up one more time and supporters can help carry them through. Well, I hope you uh, Leicester City fans out there are listening to that because that's what they need on Sunday. Matt, thank you very much for joining us again. We will be having a chat about the season uh, next week on 5001, but thank you very much for this week. Pleasure, mate. Yeah. Who knows? Fingers crossed. In this bizarre season, anything could happen. But what is guaranteed is me, and hopefully you will be going on a European tour of one description <laughs> or another <laughs> coming up Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Thank you again for listening and joining in with 5001. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.